Hey, Moving Forward listeners, believe it or not, the holidays are right around the corner. So get the ball rolling and get your ducks in a row. The Corporate Clichés Coloring Book makes the perfect white elephant office party gift or surprise stocking stuffer for your favorite work-from-home colleague. It's available now on Amazon. You can also find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. Let's celebrate the holidays with some low-hanging fruit and a bubbling glass of synergy. Hey, John Lim here. Happy holidays, Moving Forward listeners. As you know, every year I like to do something a little bit different for the holidays, a special bonus episode. And I've got a returning guest, my good friend, Angelo Spinillo, who I had on season one of the show. How are you today, Angelo? Doing well, John. Thanks. Oh, man. Uh, We're going to do something really fun. I came up with this idea a couple months ago. And uh, one thing that you should know about Angelo and I is that we both share in common a favorite holiday movie. So what we're going to do for today's bonus episode is we're going to do a commentary. I've never done one before. Angelo, have you ever done a movie commentary before? No, I've listened to them, but I've never actually done one. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to be doing a commentary on one of our favorite holiday movies. It's the 1984 version of A Christmas Carol starring George C. Scott in the title role. If you haven't seen it before, it is a fantastic movie. We have links to the uh, digital media as well as the DVD and Blu-ray in the show notes as well as in the blog post and the write-up. So if you want to follow along, if you don't already own this movie, I highly recommend add it to your library. It's definitely worth an addition to any home library. So we're going to do a commentary, and to get set up for the commentary – What you should do is queue up the movie. We are both at the first frame where you should see the gold EP letter. So it's, I believe it's Entertainment Partners. So it's the EP letter. We're at zero. And I'm going to let us know when we should start hitting play. Angela and I are going to do that. And then we're going to start our commentary track. So I'll give everyone a couple of seconds. Cue up your video, your DVD, your digital version. Angela's actually on the iTunes version. I'm on the DVD you should be at zero zero on the EP logo. So I'm going to go ahead and do a countdown. Three, two, one, hit play. All right. So, Angelo, when was the first time go. you ever saw this movie? Uh, it, it was probably when it came out on TV because I remember my parents recorded the, VC, the VCR and on a video. Yeah, yeah, me too. And for years, that's what we watched. (laughs) I was a kid, and I remember seeing this on CBS, and uh, I was just mesmerized by it. I I think I don't – I may have seen maybe one other version of A Christmas Carol, and of course, I I knew the general story, but I loved this version. And when I was a kid, they used to air it around November, December every year. And just the look of it, it it is a beautiful-looking film. I just I love the the scenery. I love the music and, and the costumes. It's very period. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that especially the the, the music it, like it's stuck in your head. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's not any Christmas Carol you've Christmas carols you've heard you normally hear like anywhere else during oh, the yeah. season. Yeah, I actually and I think I mentioned this to you, but uh, there are two versions of a Christmas Carol that I watch every year. This one and the musical version Scrooge with Albert Finney. But this one by far is my favorite. In fact, you and I 
typically will watch this at the same time on Christmas Day and text <laughs> each other dialogue. But, <laughs> so, but the yep. cool thing about this movie is that it looks very theatrical. If you've never seen it before, you would not believe that this is a made-for-TV movie. It looks like something that would have been released in the theater. It has that very, very high-quality production to it. It looks, I mean, up, right up there with like a movie like Amadeus. It just has that very, right down to a T, all the details. And just doing a little research, I did find out that this did get a theatrical release in the U.K., in the November, I think, of 1984 when it came out. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is definitely. Yeah, it's just it's so it's so cool to watch. I mean, it kind of just takes you away for a little. And you and you've traveled a lot. You've been to England. I have as well. This actually watching this movie also reminds me. I did a a study abroad at Oxford back in my college years, and I always think of Oxford when I see this. I mean, some of the streets look very <laughs> familiar. Do you have any anything like that from your travels? I don't know if I have anything quite like this, although uh, the Christmas season in Europe does last significantly longer in the U.S. because you don't have the Thanksgiving holiday that kind of breaks it up. So it, yeah. it usually starts back in November and it goes for a while. I mean, just look at the detail. It is so rich. I love everything from the marketplace. You see here the the, the chickens that are hanging or the goose that are hanging in the in the shop. You see the Scrooge and Marley shop. And here we have, I think, one of the best performances of, or renditions of Bob Cratchit. What I love about, and this is David Warner, in a lot of renditions of A Christmas Carol, Bob Cratchit always comes off as kind of a wimp. <laughs> and yeah. I love that David Warner, he's not a weak guy. He's not a weak character here. He is someone who has a lot of dignity. He has a lot of heart. And despite the fact that he is a very intimidating boss... Look at David Warner. He's standing up very tall. He's very proud. And I, I think that's one of the nuances of his performance that really makes it memorable. I love. I just love the way these two interact, though. Like through, I mean, they don't have many scenes together, but the the ones they do, it's just it's, it's just unbelievable. And watching this as a kid, you had no idea who these actors were, right. and then and then you know years later to find out that George C. Scott did something besides. Christmas Carol blew my mind. Oh, my gosh. I, and Yeah, and, and honestly, we could spend the whole commentary just talking about his career, but just some of the highlights. I mean, uh, Patton, Dr. Strangelove, and, and just like if you go on IMDb, it's like 10 miles long. Same with David Warner. I mean, he's had an incredible career. And actually, David Warner is a multi-alum of Star Trek, which people may know. He was in two of the movies, and he was in a bunch of the episodes. So that was kind of a cool piece of trivia. Yeah, I, that one. But the one that really just blew my mind too, watching this so many years later, was the fact that he was also the um, he was one of the main characters in Tron. Yes, and Tron yes. and, and Tron was filmed two years before this. Yes, yes, he was also in Titanic yep. and Time After Time, which uh, just a fictionalized story about H.G. Wells, and I think he played Jack the Ripper. So to see him play this role, because he's played roles all over the gambit like he's played kind of the nice guy he's played the hero but he's also played a lot of villains so he's got right. incredible range um here we have a scene with scrooge with his nephew uh hollywell fred hollywell and that is roger reese who i actually recognize i don't know if you knew this but he actually had a recurring role on cheers and ironically <laughs> he played Rebecca Howe's boyfriend, who was a, a, an investment banker who went to jail for insider trading. So I think it's kind of ironic that yeah. he played that role. And here he's playing Fred Hollywell, the, the nephew of Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, I was reading, they were saying something about how um, 
in portraying Scrooge, George C. Scott wanted to give him a little bit more humor because he, he tends to be a very depressed yes. and dark character. And I, I think that especially his uh, this conversation in particular, he you definitely see that come out. Yeah, yeah. The, his humor, it, he just seems like a very human character as opposed to mm-hmm. some portrayals where he comes off very over the top, very kind, almost a caricature because it, it's a type of role where you, you hear Scrooge and it's, it's part of our lexicon, but... Right. <laughs> I, I think he just gives such an amazing nuanced performance here. And and the cast in this movie is incredible. It's just like a who's who of British actors from TV and film. Right. I think the only one missing is Cole Meany. Maybe, yeah. he, maybe he's one of the kids or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. Although I guess he's, he's not a British actor. He's, he's Irish, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, so. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had popped up <laughs> in here. <laughs> have you read the uh, original... Uh, novel, uh, the Dickens novel, A Christmas Carol. Many, many years ago. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I was surprised that there's very little detail in it and that right. I the film versions, including this one, add a lot more to the mythology. It's a very, very short book, and there's not a lot of detail in it uh, compared to what you see in the film renditions. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the one thing I do remember is that it was a quick read and it doesn't have all the stuff that they add to it. So this is a, uh... I, 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 this is kind of like one of those few instances where I think the movie is probably better than yes. the book. Or, or, or yeah, the, more yeah the book was a little bit of a letdown. I do remember looking up that Dickens, he was not really fond of it. He wrote it as kind of a commercial piece because I think he was strapped for cash where he was falling on hard times. So he wrote it just to, you know, as a commercial piece to make money. Little did he know that it would be one of his most enduring works and, and right. one that has been translated over and over. Definitely. I, I just reminded when I when I heard his uh, his little pocket watch go off that song, it just permeates throughout. Oh, this yes. Mo- yes. You hear that <laughs> chime throughout this movie. There's some tones. I mean, musically, this movie does some great things with with riffs and with and, and you're a musician. So I know you can appreciate this. But there's certain bars or certain refrains that you hear over and over to kind of cue certain moments, yeah. which I think is really cool. Yeah. The score is really, really good. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's just that performance always gets to me. (laughs) I love it. I mean, these are the lines that you and I just text each other. I know, I know. (laughs) And I don't want to turn it to us just reciting the lines, but if you're watching the film, I mean, this is a film you will fall in love with and watch over and over. Now, here we have uh, Tiny Tim. I actually looked up the the young actor who played him, and I I was surprised. I, I thought he would have had more roles, but I think he, he didn't do that many film roles after this. No, and that kind of surprised me too, because I think his name is Anthony Walters. Yes. Because uh, he kind of gets a, a big billing in the credits, you know, introducing Anthony Walters. Yes. So you see, would think he would go on Can to something more. Can you imagine your, your first acting role opposite George C. Scott and right. David Warner? <laughs> I mean, he probably he may have been too young to even appreciate uh, kind of what that meant. But I mean, he does a fantastic job. True. And I, I love the caroling scenes. And it's just the music here is just really beautiful. It just adds to the scenery. Well, and just and just kind of how they did it back in the day, right? Oh, it was they, yeah. you just sit around a, a candle and, and sing a Christmas carol yeah. or. Yeah, 
Yeah, I love the scenery. I just the production values are amazing, and just the mist, the yeah. the fog and the mist is really really well done. Yeah, well, it's either that or it's like this is taken from the old old like VCR master, and yeah. it's just <laughs> either way it works. It just kind of gives it that period effect. And here we have uh, Scrooge in the marketplace. Uh, and we get to see Scrooge's negotiating prowess here. I know, I know. It's definitely, you know, being in business now, now you kind of can appreciate everything that's going on here yeah. in this entire conversation yeah. and what he's doing. And Yes, and what he's talking about, holding the warehouse full of corn, which again, I don't think this was even in the book, if I remember correctly. I don't think, I think this was something that was just, added to enhance the scene of Scrooge just being a business magnet. Right. Just even the background extras. I mean, everyone is, I mean, the costumes are just so authentic and I think they're so beautifully done. Just the attention to detail, I think is really impressive in this movie. You see just so much going on in the background. And the extras, I think they're all local, right? From the, um... I believe so. I wouldn't be surprised. I can't remember where they filmed this. And I noticed, I mean, George C. Scott, he's kind of doing a hybrid British accent, but you hear, I mean, he's obviously an American actor. Right. Uh, but it works. And of course, here we have uh, Michael Goh on the left playing pool, who is best known as Alfred from a lot of the Batman movies from the Tim Burton series. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's Alfred. <laughs> it's Alfred on the left. That is cool. Yeah, so from Batman all the way up through the, I think, Batman and Robin. Uh, so he did all of those movies. He also, he worked a lot, I think, with Tim Burton. And uh, I think his last role, or one of his last roles before he passed away, was a voiceover role for, uh, gosh, what was it? The ah, I can't remember. But it, it was, uh, oh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So another Tim Burton. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now do you recognize it's Alfred? <laughs> yep. I love those sideburns too. Yeah. <laughs> the chops. Yeah. Those are Victorian hipsters. Yes. It's a, and it was filmed, it's, it's Shrewsbury, England. Yeah. So that's, it was all filmed on, on location there. So, uh, so all the people in the background are, you know, locals that they just, uh, brought on for this again this is like a who's who of british actors i mean if you look at the cast you look at their bios a lot of them uh are still acting today and they they do a lot of work in british film and tv so it's really cool to see and that scene i, I love that setup because by the end like it'll bring you to tears oh yeah when he flips spoilers <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I love this scene coming up here, the interplay between Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim. It's just really, really well done. Yep. One thing that really comes through in this rendition is just how much of a family man David Warner is uh, in his portrayal, Mm -hmm. which I really love.
And that looks like all real snow too. I yeah. don't think they brought a ton. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Either that or they did a really good job of creating yeah. all the fake stuff. And I think that song recurs throughout the movie, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Mm-hmm. It's a great scene. I just keep looking at those kids sliding on the ice. I'm like, oh, that's just a lawyer's dream. Like, <laughs> yeah. Either a lawyer or a kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I, I love this here. Just the, the moodiness of this scene. Well, it's crazy how it goes from such like an uplifting scene to this. Yeah, and, and and just rough. like the environment, the lighting, and now the musical shift really shows the loneliness of Scrooge. And mm-hmm. uh, I, when I was a kid, this scene creeped me out. Actually, oh, me too. I, I pretty I closed my eyes. Pretty oh, much every yeah. Time. There's actually a lot of moments in this movie that actually <laughs> kind of freaked me out as a kid. Oh, that's so creepy. I, I get the chill seeing that. Yeah. So do we ever know, and I don't think it's really established in the book, but I've seen in other renditions, do we actually know what Scrooge does? I mean, I get the sense that he he has a lending business. Is that what he yeah, does? That's, yeah, that's what I'm... I, and then yeah. he, he must yeah. also have a lot of like export-import goods, like the corn yeah. he was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm pretty sure. I've seen other renditions of this, including the musical Scrooge, where he's co- trying to collect money that he's loaned out to shopkeepers and they can't afford to pay, so he jacks up the interest. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I like this one better because he's kind of all by himself and he yeah. doesn't uh, bother too much with people. This creeped me out. Oh, my gosh. That's Frank yeah. Finlay as Marley's ghost. And, uh, oh, it, it, very chilling. And uh, they, he's also known for, um, he was in the movie. Have you ever seen the movie Life Force, the science fiction film? It's a no. really crazy movie. He's got, a, he's got a pretty big supporting role in that. Okay. Um, but I remember him from that as well as this movie. Now, what might interest you is that in the musical version with Albert mm-hmm. Finney, Marley's ghost is actually played by Alec Guinness. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it was, I want to say it was post Obi-Wan Kenobi, actually, that okay. he did that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember this This whole scene just kind of gave me the chills, just being alone in a big house with just a single candle. <laughs> Right, and, and you only go to one room. Yeah, you only right? go he gets one home, room. he goes up, he goes to the one room, and he locks himself in that one room, and you can see the dust over everything. Oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's like, and, and again, it's just a great, it's just the scenery informing the character. I mean, this is a man who's got tremendous wealth, but he is so closed off from the world, he won't even hire help to keep his house tidy. He's just kind right. of like locked up and uh, locked away. 
And you hear the violin riff there. Again, it's just building up the tension. Yeah, this is definitely one of those soundtracks that if you're watching it by yourself at night, it, it, the volume, it just kind of, when it gets to these like really dramatic scenes, it just like wakes you up if, if you're not paying attention. It's, it's like a, if you had just seen the scene by itself, you might think it was a horror movie. Yeah. Or just listen to it, right? If you were in another yeah. room, because the, those violins, it's just, it's, it's so odd, uh, so dramatic. Yeah. Here we go. The famous, I think every rendition has him like locking four or five different locks on the door. <laughs> A lot of crime there, I guess, huh? Yeah. <laughs> We're paranoia. Right, right. So here's a question. Has that been there all day? <laughs> Did, now, in the right? other renditions, he actually goes to a, a, a soup uh, vendor and tries to collect rent and gets actually paid by uh, bowls of soup. So I don't know about this version. It looks like it's just been sitting there all day. Right. It's kind of gross, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, unless, unless they just didn't show any scenes of him preparing soup. Maybe that's in the deleted scenes. Well, I think it's this, one, this scene. It's like the Christmas Carol. This is the one scene where you have something that has a, the tie to like the Christmas, right? Yes, that's, yes. Uh, the Last Supper, and then you see Marley's ghost face just popping up. Yep. Ah, <laughs> oh, like seriously, those cobwebs are so creepy. Right. You would think he would just like maybe just try to clean them once. <laughs> Seriously, I guess he can't be bothered with that. Right. We got the dragging of the chains. It's like the use of sound in this movie, because in a scene like this, you're seeing basically George C. Scott's reaction, and you're hearing the background noises. To inform mm-hmm. what's happening, I think is really, really well done. Right. Well, and and he and he's reacting to a sound that probably wasn't there when they filmed it. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they added all that in post. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's a Disney haunted house special yeah, effects. Seriously. No, actually pretty good for 1980s, I mean, made-for-TV effects. I mean, that's a pretty effective uh, special effect to show a ghost. No, they're all really good. Oh, just like, this scene really gets to me. Like, the tying of that cloth and then his jaw, and you can hear his jaw cracking. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing that they're portraying Marley in some sort of purgatory. Is that the deal? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how I've always interpreted it. Yeah. Um, and you know, you always hear him mentioning I was your partner, Jacob Marley, but you never really realize. Yes, this was his business partner. This was yep. someone he worked like side by side with. He was probably just like he was. Yep. I mean, and, and the symbolism, I mean, the chains, but more so just having the boxes. Yeah. I think that really, really just drives that scene home. 
well, I don't get is how come he doesn't recognize him? Like, hey, it's you, but it's not you. <laughs> He's like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, probably from that soup you had. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there's the first friend. There's the first. Yeah, freaked me out as a kid. Freaking out as a kid. There you go. <laughs> I love that dreadful apparition. <laughs> Nice effect with the glasses on the forehead. Yeah. So what they saying this is this the one his one year anniversary of his death? You know, I I've seen I, different versions where they vary the timeline. So I've okay. seen ones where it's ten years. I'm not sure what uh, what the time, how much time has passed here. All right. Because there is a line where, I, where I think he mentions that Scrooge's chain is even longer. So yeah, I think that's supposed right, yeah. to kind of give the impression that more time has passed since he, he passed away. Here we go. Yeah. This one. Ah, seven Christmases ago. Right. So, so seven years. <laughs> I love that. He's just, he still doesn't get it. Right. Look how creepy his eyes are. I don't think he blinks once no. in the scene. <laughs> I wonder if he's wearing opaque contact lenses. I was thinking that, but would they have even had those back when they were making this? Well, That's a good 30 question. something years ago. Or it could have been a lens effect or something, but. I kind of like how the the lighting that they use yeah. it's it's not it's not over overly in your face it's kind of like they let the shadows kind of sit there. Yeah. I feel it's, like it's really well done with the the fact that they're just two people sitting right across from each other. Very much kind of like the type of staging you might see on a play. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's the practical yeah. veil. Could they all come at once? Right. <laughs> now, this is something that I was so surprised when I first read the book. If I remember correctly, the book, they all come, I think, at midnight. And it's just like, I 
think all three ghosts come at midnight. I think the film adaptations have added the the nuance that they come once every hour. Whereas okay. in the book, it's just kind of like time is all messed up. Okay. <laughs> oh, this always freaked me out when he just... So freaky. Oh. And you can hear that. Yeah, you can <laughs> hear crunch. that. You can hear like the crunch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the jaw. <laughs> Again, very effective. Just a it must like a simple effect, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> he does that really well. He says it. I mean, it's one of those words that can be delivered so over the top but i think he underplays it a little bit yeah all locked (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) still not convinced Ah, the bed curtains. Keep out the cold, right? Yeah. There we go. There's that chime again. We'll see about that. There we go. <laughs> and so we have here the first ghost. This used to freak me out too, actually, a little bit. So we have the ghost of Christmas past who's kind of in this, what would you say? That's like a Roman getup? Yeah. It, it yeah. definitely has that feel to it. The actress I looked up is Angela Pleasance. Uh, she's huge, long career, as with many of the cast. She's notably, she played a version of Fontaine in a TV rendition of Les Mis. She right. was also in Gangs of New York, which I thought was interesting. She had a role oh, really? in Gangs of New York, and she also played Queen Elizabeth in an episode of Doctor Who. So she's got quite a varied career. I think I heard that they said that they had to uh, dub all of her um, her lines oh, back really? into this movie. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere. Interesting. But I think it's probably because they have that crazy reverb on on her every time she speaks. Yeah. Well, because she's got the she's got a lot of stuff on. <laughs> Look at that hair. I know that's, that's kind of <laughs> 1980s hair, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. She could probably be in an MTV video. Yeah. Or she could be in that movie Labyrinth. She looked like she yes. had something out of the movie Labyrinth. <laughs> This is really well done. I love kind of that using the cone as the time travel device. Right. Mm. 
I always think it's funny because he refers to himself by his first name there, but yeah. everyone always talks to him, talks about him as Scrooge. And again, it's just brilliant acting because yeah. he really sells that he's trying to talk to them and the and no one can hear or see him. Right. I always remember him rattling off the classics. Yep. Alibaba. <laughs> Friday. Friday. Not real. <laughs> <laughs> you got to wonder is the kid really happy because of all these books or is he just projecting that he you know he's not as miserable? Yeah. I mean, I think the kid really kind of sells it as uh, the whoever's playing young Scrooge. Right. <laughs> I love how he's giving commentary on his younger self. Right, right. I like how, and I like this transition too between the young and oh, then. That, the- yeah, that's really well done. Like the Ghost of Christmas past just doesn't even change. Now that is Mark Strickland, who actually he had played a kind of a villainous role on Doctor Who in the 1980s uh, as one of the companions who was also a little bit darker on the darker side. But here he does a great job. I kind of see a little bit of the resemblance with George C. Scott. And that is, you know, I always thought that it was Fern, F-E-R-N, but it's actually Fan, F-E-N. Yeah. And the actress is actually Joanne Wally, who is Val Kilmer's ex-wife. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> From Top Gun. So a uh, little bit of trivia there. We only get a really, just a little glimpse of Scrooge's family life. So we, we know he has a loving sister. We don't really get to know much about the father, other than yeah. he seems to hold a grudge against Scrooge for the passing of his wife, Scrooge's mother. And he seems to be kind of a kind of a hard-hearted man. Yeah. So this is setting up kind of... Scrooge making his way into the world, setting up him up with an apprenticeship. Right. But he does set him up with something. I think he does leave him some money, too, eventually. That's right. That's and that's right. how he gets started with everything. Yep. Building up his, his fortune, as it were. But like this scene right after this where they're just kind of sitting there, no one's saying it. They haven't seen each other in, in such a long time, and no one's saying anything to anyone. Yeah. And then Scrooge just looking in. It's really, really an effective scene. Look at that 80s hair. I can't get over it. 
So this is establishing that uh, Fred's mother, Scrooge's sister. Right. <laughs> Smart Alec ghost. Yeah. Uh, and right so back here up. we've got a pivotal scene. Just the it's classic in every rendition of Scrooge, where you see where Christmas Carol, you see Fezziwig. Fezziwig, no matter what rendition you see, he's always kind of portrayed the same way. Yeah. He's kind of like this jovial guy. It's like this this uh, kind of over the hill party animal. Yeah, ever did a party? Rolling his R's. Yes. Ah, look at Scrooge with the new, sporting the new do. That's right. (laughs) See, it's like the evolution of Scrooge is that as he loses more hair on top, his mutton chops grow bigger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm guessing that he's, uh, a bookkeeper at a textile company? Is that what it is? That's what it looks like. You know, it's, it's interesting, though, that that's kind of his first job. His, he's apprenticing there, and, and he, that doesn't really influence him later on in no, his life. No, it really doesn't. Yeah. yeah but, uh, considering the fact that Fezzi Wink was a very generous boss, and right. obviously, as you can tell from that spread and that party, he's just very um, generous, munici- munificent, but it didn't, yeah, as you said, it didn't really have an influence on Scrooge either personality-wise or in his vocation. Right. And here we have the introduction of Scrooge's only love interest, as as far as we know, Belle. Belle, yeah. Played by Lucy Gutteridge, who I found out also had a role in Top Secret. Also with Val Kilmer. So there's a Val Kilmer connection. Wow. (laughs) A dual Val Kilmer connection to this movie. So we're seeing little hints of Scrooge. Yeah, but it's, it still makes you wonder what is it that that pushed him from to become such a yeah, yeah Scrooge. It's, it's so extreme. <laughs> yeah, I do appreciate the fact that for a Christmas party, the musicians don't really have to set up at all; they just like show up with their they show up and just, yeah, and just go violins in hand. I love. It's like no matter what rendition, Fezziwig, I always feel like he's always portrayed this way. Yep. The rough road of life. I love that. Look at Ebenezer getting into it.
So do you think that he intended to say it that way, or do you think that was something that uh, was in the movie? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Every time I hear that line, I always wonder. Do you think that it was just maybe a flub that came out really well? Yeah. Yeah, could be. Right, because it was a low-production well, I mean, actually, not low production, but it was a made-for-TV movie. So Yeah, but George C. Scott is so good that I could see how even a flub would just come off so natural as part of the character. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. So here we're seeing Scrooge is kind of becoming caught up in the world. <laughs> Look at the way he's walking. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a cane. You know that things are serious when you have a cane like that. Yep. My guess is that he also had a cold when they filmed this because I always noticed that his sinus yes, is completely yes. fogged up. <laughs> yeah, he does sound like he's a little stuffy, <laughs> a little congested there. That actually adds to the movie, actually. Yeah, well, especially because it's cold out. Yeah, since it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I could buy it. See, the chops are starting to grow out a little more. Oof. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, wrong response. Oh, it's always the wrong response. Terrible. Every year I'm like, no. Don't take dating advice from Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> now, in other versions, you see the older Scrooge actually yelling at the younger Scrooge. But right. I think this is actually pretty pretty haunting here where he's just kind of looking on. Right. So as she walks off, in other renditions I've seen where the old Scrooge goes, run after you fool. But here, George C. Scott, it's it's more of just kind of longing and regret. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So he's a money, he's a hard money lender, in other words. Yep. Probably charging those exorbitant interest rates. <laughs> he's like one of those, one of those street corner guys where you, yep. you know, with the neon sign. It's like, get money now. It's like check cashing or whatever. Oh, I love, this is actually a great scene here. Seeing kind of the other side, and I love her. I love her. The portrayal of her husband in this. Oh yeah, I love his mannerisms. Yeah, and, uh... yeah. But look, look at how old these kids are, right? Yeah. So this has probably been like 
what, 13, 15 years since that. You say, I love that. <laughs> That's a, it's an infamous line in my house. Yeah, is it? <laughs> I think we text that. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh-oh. See, I just think that's so interesting. It's it's that many years later, and that's the first name she pops out, and he also says, I saw an old yep. friend of yours, too. So. No, that's true. I, I hadn't thought of that. And then they're saying Marley's on the edge of death. death. So, it's so it must what, be about seven years ago. Yep. So it means that they finished they finished their relationship what 20 years before something this. like that yeah which 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 means that he really isn't that old but he doesn't he looks much older than he is yeah <laughs> which makes sense for that time <laughs> yeah true. i think people see this creeps me out the way yeah. she smiles like that and that the, the cone thing the cone over her head that's what i think is cool i never realized that, he, that until like many many other viewings that he's putting her out yeah he's putting her out and it, that that smile so creepy yeah. <laughs> Strangling his rug. Here we go. This is a good one. Yeah, it's a great one. Well, they're all good ones, I guess, right? Yeah, but I think the Christmas present has always been my favorite one. When I was a yep. kid, I used to think it was Santa Claus. Yes. Yep. <laughs> We're at least a relative of Santa Claus or something. When he talks about like having like 2,000 brothers, I imagine Santa Claus being one of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the setup in almost every version of this is the same. Where you just see that glimmer of light and it, it just opens up and he's blinded. Right. And then he's just surrounded by... By food. By food. <laughs> that booming voice. Yeah. There we go. The light. No, if you had just seen this without the soundtrack, though, you'd, you'd be freaking out. But totally. the soundtrack kind of it, it, it makes it a completely different experience. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How long must they have worked to set that scene up? Oh, I know. That's Edward Woodward, by the way. Uh, 
best known for uh, playing the protagonist in the classic horror film, The Wicker Man, and oh. known as The Equalizer from the 1980s TV show, <laughs> which was later remade into the current film series with Denzel Washington. Oh, cool. Yep. He was also in Hot Fuzz. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, long career. Wow. See, I, I, I'm telling you, Santa Claus has got to be one of those brothers. Because that robe. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> there we go. The transported into the marketplace. I think this is on Christmas morning, right? Yep. Now, I heard that, maybe you know this, he, he's gigantic in this movie, but he's actually smaller than George C. Scott. Oh, is, is he really? Oh, interesting. They're saying that, I think they're saying George C. Scott was six feet tall, and he, and the Ghost of Christmas Present is actually 5'9". Oh, wow. <laughs> so what do you think that, is he, what do you think he's walking on, stilts? It must be some type of stilts, yeah. yeah. Look at that fish. I always, it's like, I always remember that. Just like the marketplace. I've never noticed all the chickens uh, screaming. I guess I know why. Yeah, I think you're right. I think in in almost every rendition, the coast of Christmas present is supposed to be t- t- towering over Scrooge. Yep. <laughs> Smirk. All the ghosts have their own unique sense of humor. Yeah, and that's what I really like about this too. At Scrooge's expense. Yep. Do you think all the ghosts kind of got together and confab before they went to visit Scrooge? (laughs) This is Susanna York as Mrs. Cratchit. And I think she does a fantastic portrayal of uh, Mrs. Cratchit. She is... Most famous, we're probably most famous for playing Superman's mom in the Christopher Reeve movies. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yep. And you can kind of see it when you when uh, when you hear her voice. Finley. Again, what I love about the portrayal of the Cratchits is that they are very real people. Yeah, and there's like a quiet strength, as opposed to some portrayals or some renditions. You'll see a very stereotype of a kind of a weak, bumbling Bob Cratchit, and you might see a shrill Mrs. Cratchit. But here, they're just really, really just very, very level people, just normal people, just trying to raise their family. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like what I love about the portrayal of Mrs. Cratchit is that she has this quiet strength. 
Yes. That that really matches with uh with David Warner. They have really good chemistry in this movie. Yeah, I definitely I like her character a lot. Yeah. Like that, I just I love that. Yeah, she she's the total realist. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Is it ever established exactly what Tiny Tim Tim's condition was? Mm, no, I don't think they ever mention it. I love this scene here. It's just like Scrooge eavesdropping on his nephew. (laughs) Hiring the son of his employee. Do we we know what Fred does? No, I don't think that's ever established either. We don't know what he does. He just hires. Hires his uh, Well, here this commentary, he's never been able to put by. And then later on, well, earlier on, he talks about how he married a poor girl who didn't know much of the family. So, yeah, I don't think it's ever established what Fred does. It's like every ghost is like mocking yeah. Scrooge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Just like right in his face. Yeah, it out. What is what it's a tight wad they... Scrooge is. There's the famous line, mm-hmm. with Tiny Tim.
It's like well played. Mm. You gotta wonder is, it, is is that really getting to him or is he just ignoring it like the way he ignores everything? You know, when else? I was a kid, I had no idea what Christmas pudding it was. I thought it was like Jello pudding. Oh! <laughs> Later did I find out that it's like this really weird common. It's like a weird dessert. Have you? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think my mom made it once because of this. We're like, you gotta make this, and then we're like, <laughs> never it looks need like to make a cake, this again. right? It looks like yeah. chocolate cake, but it's actually like dates and raisins and and yeah. figs and like all kinds of strange stuff you might find in the woods that you would just boil yeah. in a pot <laughs> how did it turn out it, i don't think we liked it like i said like i don't i don't think she ever made it again <laughs> Another famous scene. This one really well played. I think especially because it shows her Mrs. Cratchit's strength. Yeah. But not in a really over-the-top shrill way. It's just really just – it's very believable. And equally believable is Bob Cratchit's sincerity. Yeah. I love the way the ghost of Christmas present is just looking at him. See, I can see hints of Superman's mom in there. Yep. <laughs> and these are the kids, kids. yeah. They're all <laughs> the, sneering. The sneer on their face. Except Tiny Tim, I think that he was just throwing out his line. Yeah, like, I think so. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love the fact that he's just grasping at straws here. Yep. This song here, actually, my I think it was in second grade. We actually used to sing this in music class. Oh, really? Yeah. And when I first saw this movie, I recognized. I was like, "Oh my gosh, we sing this in music class." So <laughs> it was just one of those childhood revelations that you know, uh, there's actually, you know, stuff that you learn in the classroom or sing in the classroom actually may exist in the real world. (laughs) I I was at that age where I thought, oh, this is just a song that we only sing in school. Right. To see it in a movie like this, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool.
<laughs> I think it's one of your favorite scenes coming up. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen in other renditions it's at they they actually change up the game. Sometimes it's the minister's cat. I've seen versions of okay. that. But here it's uh similes, right? And I yep. don't think it's specified in the book either if I remember correctly. I think it's just I I think it's a very general description of the festivities. Quite the party, yeah. It's quite quite the nice house, considering that he uh, he can't save anything according to Scrooge. Oh, maybe he's uh, I don't know. Maybe he's overextended on his credit. <laughs> that is Carolyn. I think it's Langrish who plays Janet. Okay, she's also had a very very long career. Uh, continuing to act today, if I'm not mistaken. I think she does a great job. There's a scene yeah. towards the end where I think she gives just an amazing performance. I'll point it out when we get to it. But here it's uh, just the festivities. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I like just how we walked between them there. Well, again, that's kind of the the brilliance of the performances here is that they're all in the same room as they're filming right. this, but it's totally believable that the, the the acting really makes you believe that they can't see him. Ah, he's got a little bit of a heart there. Yeah. This is a good question. What exactly does Fred do for a living? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it varies with every film rendition I see of this. It's, sometimes it's similes, other times it's The Minister's Cat. I've seen, I, I think, maybe one or two other games as well. <laughs> it's quite the intellectual game because whoever's running it has to have all these ideas in his head. Yeah, so obviously portraying that Fred is a very, very bright guy. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. So oh, sorry about that. Yeah. This is my favorite one. <laughs> Wind.
I don't get why he looks at her after he gives the answer to this one. You don't get which part? Why he says Monica has a violet and she kind of looks at him like, oh, because that's not her name. Yeah. I love the smile that George yeah. Scott gives. He's kind of he's kind of mean to her too. He's like, "Stand behind your chair." Yeah, you exactly. embarrassed us. Wow, he's. I like that how they threw the answer out with the uh, the yeah. screen all back. Yeah, it's a it's a great transition. That's um, Brian Pettifer. I looked up the actor who plays Ben, who's mm-hmm. the uh, homeless man. He was in. Uh, he had a role in Amadeus, and uh, he's also had quite a long career as an actor as well. He does look familiar. Maybe just from Amadeus. I think that's probably where I recognize him. Yeah, he was in. I believe he played one of the wardens at the hospital. Okay. You know, I don't think this scene is in every rendition that I've seen of A Christmas Carol. No? No. I I think this was added in for the film. I don't seem to recall something with this great detail in the book. But again, I haven't read the book in a long time. I think it's important because it gives you some um, insight into what the the poor houses are. I think there is a general scene where he's walking through the streets and he sees... Uh, homeless people were people out of work, but I, I I like that they actually focus on a specific family. Right. This scene freaked me out oh too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is what I call the shining scene. Yeah. Oh, that, that scene just like I was yeah. so freaked out as a kid. I mean, they look they they look like the Shining twins. Yeah.
Oh, the music is so haunting here. With the, yeah. You can hear the horn section. And here, notice the transition. He doesn't go back to his bedroom. Yep. It's like, notice everyone has disappeared. He's just left where he is. And again, that lighting, it's so cool. Yeah. The shadows. Just hear the rustle, <laughs> the, the blowing of the wind. Yep. It's so funny. When I, as, when I watch this again, I still remember where the commercial breaks were because like yeah, my parents they, they taped and tried to cut it out, but it would still <laughs> it skipped like from one right. to the other. Oh wow! This is, it's like if you just watch this scene, you might think it was like The Exorcist or something. Yeah. So here we have the entrance of the ghost of Christmas yet to come, uh, ghost of Christmas future. Look at that smoke machine there. Yeah. <laughs> so the only ghost who does not speak, and I don't think he speaks in any rendition. Um, looks like the Grim Reaper. He's got that hooded cloak. So do you know the trivia about the actor playing the Ghost of Christmas Future? I do not. Michael Carter, who is probably best known for playing Bib Fortuna in Return of the Jedi. Really? Yes. I just wow. looked it up this morning. <laughs> He's uh, got a huge resume playing all of these kind of like uh, creature characters. He was also a, an, Amer an American werewolf in London. So he's been in a whole bunch of TV shows and movies, but Bib Fortuna. That is really cool. I did not know that at all. Yeah. What, what I like about this one is just how the, the music. Yeah. It screeches. Is, 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 it, yeah, it screeches and it, it, it signifies different responses. In different renditions, uh, I mean, in this one, I don't think we ever see what's under the hood. 
No. But uh, in other ones, you see what's under the hood, and it's always portrayed as sort of like a skeleton. Yeah. I, I kind of like this version where you just don't know. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, too. I also, I, what I sp- really like about this part of the movie is that you're going back to all the places you've already been to, but they look completely different. Yeah. So it's like coming full circle. Yeah. So I think these are the characters from the beginning. Was it yeah. the, uh, the ones that he was uh, negotiating the corn price with? Yeah. And and if you listen, they mention and they walk by and it gets dark. Uh, I have to buy corn. Oh, I'd never noticed that. I always I remember the lunch provided line. <laughs> ah, you're right. Yeah. Well, you're a little dense. Who's <laughs> <laughs> in denial? I just see it yeah. as him in complete denial during this whole scene. Right. Like denying that this is his bedroom, denying that it's him under that sheet. He just. Right. Oh, yeah. And I, I've never even noticed the red chairs back there. Those are the ones he was sitting in with Marley in the beginning. Yeah. I always remember this scene. (laughs) (laughs) This is what kind of what you always imagine England in that time period must have been like, just right. Or any or any major city in the world, you just imagine it's just filthy. People passed out in the gutter, hands hanging over the edge there. Yeah. I love this scene. This scene is so strange. Actually, the actress uh, on the right, uh, I think I looked up her bio as well, and she actually also appeared in a more recent rendition of A Christmas Carol playing a different character. Oh, really? Yeah, she was in the Patrick Stewart version. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't remember what character, but she seems to be a character actress who pops up in these types of little roles here and there. I like this when he opens it. Yeah, same music. Wow. <laughs> I like how the laughter just kind of stops there. Yeah, now they're getting down to business. I'm back to the Cratchits. I love this line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Scrooge does have a little bit of a sense of humor in this in this version. And just a beautiful musical score. Mm-hmm.
His acting right here is really good. Yeah. Both of them just really amazing performances. Yeah. Yeah, just the performances of these two. Just really yep. outstanding. Yeah, the lighting change here. Yeah, it's really it's cool. It's really just a very simple but effective way to transition the scene. Yep. Yeah, and this is usually the scene in other renditions where you will see the reveal of the Ghosts of Christmas future as mm -hmm. a kind of a skeleton or the Grim yep. Reaper, but I like it more. It's more subtle here. You you don't see the what's under the hood. You always see those kind of bony looking fingers. Yeah.
Now, so I understand the um, this gravestone still. You can go see it still. Oh, it's really? Still there. Yeah. Was that filmed at a real graveyard? Yep, I believe so in uh, Shrewsbury. Wow. This is the only scene where I think the snow looks a little fake. Yeah, it looks like I was. It always looks like there are a lot of dust or yeah, sand salt. to me. I think <laughs> yeah. it looks like salt. But outside of that, I think the snow is pretty convincing in this movie. Yeah. Great performance by George C. Scott here. I always forget that he actually falls back asleep. Yep. Right after this. That's a great transition from the snow to the bed sheet. I love that. Yep. Now, do you imagine that Marley has paid his penance at this point? And then and he, he's allowed, allowed entry into heaven. Where what, what? What do you think his deal is? I think he's got to be at this point, right? Because that, that was his. his, that, was his uh, that was his yeah. job, right? That was his mission. Yeah. But what if what if Scrooge was like, ah, you know what? I, just a bad dream again. I'm just gonna go back to bed. <laughs> well, I think that was the risk, right? Right. That yep. Was, sleeping in a penitent position. Yeah. Not laying on the bed at all. Oh, good good observation. I hadn't really noticed that. It's one of my favorite. I mean, he really sells this scene here. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, the kid who who plays the uh, in that scene, mm-hmm. this, this is his only role. <laughs> like ever. I think ever. Well, according to IMDb. <laughs> I think he's credited as kid who gets turkey or kid who gets goose. Now, how much is a half a crown? Do we that have is, any sense of that? No. 
Let's see, I wonder if we look that up. Yeah, the the famous redemption. I mean, he George C. Scott really sells it. Which is very, very believable. Although I imagine it must be very dizzy. Yeah, yeah, especially with this scene right here. Yeah. I just looked up half a crown is equal to two two shillings and six pence, which I believe is what Bob Cratchit's son was gonna be making weekly. Okay. So, so it's it's, it's a substantial amount back then. Yeah. You know, I was when I was a kid, I was kind of disappointed that that the Cratchits didn't know that the the goose came from Scrooge. It wasn't until I was older that I appreciated why he wanted it delivered anonymously. Right, and obviously right. they probably pieced it together later on. Yeah, especially on yeah, I agree. <laughs> How would you like to drive one of those? <laughs> gonna drive half the day now to get to bob crash's house i love the redemption however if i have one minor nitpick Uh i wanted a little bit more i just wanted a little bit more and one thing that i was thinking about and i always feel like this was a missed opportunity i would have loved it if scrooge had run into uh ben the homeless guy from that vision Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been really cool to kind of make that come full circle. Um, in the other renditions, they show Scrooge running into a lot of the people that he's trying to collect bills from and giving extra credit to and just kind of tearing up the um, the bills that they owe. So uh, I, I love, the, obviously, the, the scene where he decides to pledge to the charity. But yeah. I, I feel like I wanted a little bit more. I guess the only reason why they wouldn't is because he didn't really interact with him other than in his uh, not yeah, dream. Yeah, I can but. see that. But I just thought it would have been really neat. Like if he runs into Ben, who's like maybe trying to find a job and says, you know, right. why don't you come see me, you know, right. tomorrow. I thought, I, I don't know. It's just something that I thought would have been really cool. I love these two. <laughs> yeah. How much, did he, how much did he pledge? I don't know, but it, it, it's enough that you're going to have to whisper it. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Of course, this is great. Like I said, when I was a kid, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't know that it came from Mr. Scrooge. Right. But I, I, as an adult, I really appreciate just the whole reaction. And he's not calling attention to himself right. by sending it anonymously. I love this here because it, it looks like he's about to object. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the payoff is so good. This probably is one of my favorites. Yes, me too. Me too.
This looks so like masterpiece theater kind yeah. of BBC <laughs> type of kind oh, of yeah. period piece. This has got to be an awkward scene, right? They, he, oh, he hasn't really totally. talked to him for years. He's and probably never been to his house either, I'm guessing. And look, yes. I think she gives yes. such a brilliant performance in this scene. I agree. Just, <laughs> just the shock and the right. surprise and... Just the look on her face. Yeah, just that reaction, yeah. Brilliant. It's like without saying any words. And here, this performance right here blows me Mm -hmm. away. Just look at her face. She's just like a a little bit taken aback, a little bit vulnerable. Just such a brilliant performance. I mean, she says two words in that whole exchange, mm-hmm. or three words, and it just she completely sells that scene. I'm always wondering about this scene here. It's like, he's kind of, I don't know, is he kind of showing off? Or what's he doing here? Like, he knows, he has a little bit of prescience about the future here. Right. (laughs) Well, and if you notice, he does it out of the earshot of Fred, kind of. Yeah, yeah, he does. You think she'll remember? I hope so. Otherwise, he he might go, he might slip. Yeah. And I always wonder about this line here. Do you think he, that's something he picked up from the party that she's famous for her punch? Or do you think that's something he's known throughout the years from his nephew? Mm, that's good. I, I bet it's a, a throughout the years thing is my guess. Because she doesn't seem very surprised that he, he knows that. Yeah.
one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. I mean, this is really the big payoff for any version of A Christmas Carol, but this is so well done. But just the him talking to himself and he's kind of setting it up that you're, I, you're not sure how, how he's going to go on. This, this is going to sound ridiculous. I always imagine that Bob Cratchit overslept because he ate too much goose. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so too. Yeah. He's making quite merry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always impressed how he's able to lower his head low enough so the hat I know. doesn't hit. Well, David Warner, I think, is a pretty tall guy. So yeah. And that, I mean, he, his head almost hits the ceiling. Again, it's the lighting and just how he walks into frame. <laughs> Brilliant. Although, do you think it's kind of mean for him to play to play this? I, I, th- I, mean, I think he's, he, like, he, he's probably thinking, "I'm going to be fired now." Yep. But he knows what the payoff is going to be, so that's yeah, why. Yeah. And he's got that sense of humor that we've seen from the true, beginning. True. No, I love it. I, I'm just curious, though. I mean, is it a little bit impish? Is it a little <laughs> bit mischievous for him to be doing that? Knowing that Cratchit is in, like, fear of this guy. <sighs> Look at those eyes. Yeah. See? It's like, <laughs> look at him. Now he's thinking, are you just are you just messing with me? Do you think Cratchit thinks he's like lost his mind? Oh yeah, absolutely. And what the heck is a Christmas bowl? Is it a bowl or bow? I think it's a bow, but I think it's like a smoke. Oh, is it a smoke? Okay, I'm thinking like it's like some kind of stew. (laughs) I have looked up in the past because I'm like, what is this? (sighs) And I'm always curious... And I looked this up once. Were there any unofficial sequels ever written to this? And there were. And they all sound oh, really? pretty horrible. Oh, uh, yeah. Like other writers who have taken their rendition on what happens after this. So they range from uh, Bob Cratchit becoming a partner. And then the worst one that I've ever heard was <laughs> Tiny Tim actually grows up, moves uh-huh. to America, becomes very successful. And then basically becomes as mean as Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> has to be revisited. It's kind of like a rehash. I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. So it's kind of like, – it's one of those stories where you kind of are a little bit curious. But then when you hear what other people would 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 try to do their take on it, you're kind of glad that it just ended and that there's yes. no more. It's yeah, a just beautiful ended. movie. It is. It really is. And- yeah. But yeah, I, I did look it up. I was curious and – yeah, the sequels are just sound terrible. Absolutely terrible. 
So were they written sequels or were they actually Yeah, filmed? yeah, people have actually written because oh, right okay. obviously this has long been in the public domain. So right. anyone can do their riff on it. The other oddest one I heard uh, read about was Ebenezer Scrooge just goes so overboard with his generosity <laughs> that okay. Fred Hollywell thinks he's gone insane. So it basically, it's just like, and they're all terrible. They all pretty much kind of like undo the beauty of this story here. Right. So, <laughs> it's just like, oh, I, I'll leave it to Wikipedia just to give me those summaries. I have no curiosity to read any of those books. But yeah, the, people have written their own unofficial sequels to this movie so or to this story. Uh, all right. So this is A Christmas Carol. It's the 1984 version, I think, 84. right? Yep, 84. Yep, directed by Clive Donner with George C. Scott and uh, uh, you know David Warner. Just a great, great movie. I uh, hope you enjoyed this commentary. Uh, Andrew, do you have any thoughts that you want to share with our Moving Forward listeners for the holidays? <laughs> I'm trying to think of some, some funny line from the movie that I could throw back at you, but <laughs> nothing other than enjoy your holidays. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, moving forward, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. This is our first commentary. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you picked up some trivia. It's a great movie. I will definitely be revisiting again and texting Angelo. So <laughs> on behalf of uh, both of us, you know, Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. Happy holidays to all. And my best wishes to all of you for a wonderful, happy new year. Thank you. Special thanks to Angelo Spinello for contributing to this holiday episode. A Christmas Carol is directed by Clive Donner and produced by Entertainment Partners. This commentary tract was created in accordance with the Fair Use Statute as covered in 17 U.S.C. 701. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.